The Athletic. MM stands for Mick McCarthy, not Merlin Magician. Evans will hit it all! That is special! It's magic at Molyneux! Dreaming is for free. Hello and welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and your Wolverhampton Wanderers correspondent for The Athletic, Tim Spears. How are your Twitter mentions, Tim? Uh, I'm taking applications for a new secretary, if anyone's interested. <laughs> I think you need one to weed through that lot. My goodness. Wolves have contrived to lose 3-2 at home to West Brom. Two penalties, a long throw, some infuriating decisions by officials and those with a wolf on their chest, leaving Big Sam with a smile the size of the subway and Nuno searching for solutions yet again. We'll ask, where's the leadership and communication, both on and off the pitch? And we'll seek inspiration in the form of a couple of true Wolves legends, Stevie Bull and Andy Thompson, as we look ahead to Chorley in the FA Cup on Friday night. What could possibly go wrong at Chorley away, hey? Don't, don't, <laughs> oh my God. ask your parents. Now to read Tim's analysis of this particular horror show, plus all his Wolves-related insight, sign up to The Athletic for just £3.99 a month for the first six months and enjoy unrivaled coverage of Wolves in 2021 and last year and next year, as well as ad-free podcasts via the app. Go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolvespod. Tim, a must-win game, Nuno said on Friday. Let's go back to our main foundation. Compact, simple, clean sheet, he said. Everyone inside the club is aware of what this game means to supporters. So what on earth happened? Oh, my God. Do you know, I was devastated. We're constantly chatting on WhatsApp, aren't we? I think there was a period of about two, three hours silence after the match. I imagine you, as I, was just completely stunned. Um I went off for a long walk with the kids and and made the mistake of listening to Nuno's post-match in my ear at the same time, which didn't calm me down at all. But more on that shortly. (laughs) I went into shock, to be honest. It affected me far more than I I thought it would. And I know it's not very professional to say. Uh, Defeats don't really affect me these days with Wolves. I I see it as an opportunity to to write and explain what went wrong. And, you know, I enjoy that. But this one, oh my goodness me. Um, A few questions we've had on Twitter about, about whether I managed to abstain from breaking dry jan somehow i did found some resolve from deep inside myself to not break it despite being in tesco with a bottle of delicious juicy red malbec in my hands i was still like no come on i found i found a solution to this particular problem i'm also doing dry january it nearly killed me but heineken naught percent it's a solution of sorts it's better than it sounds actually yeah much better than it sounds anyway go on so it's the same problems as, as before, you know, the same problems we discussed after the Everton game, exactly the same problems, but magnified by 10,000 because it's, it's them lot down the road. I mean, it, it's it's not it's not just that it's that it's Albion. You, you, you can take the rivalry out of it and, and Wolves are playing what many consider to be the worst team in the league. You know, I think there's a general feeling, even from unnamed Albion uh, sort of reporters, that Sheffield United actually are just having a really bad break of it at the moment. But Albion are the worst team in the league. They'd scored six in 14. They'd been been annihilated 5-0 at home to Leeds. And they'd lost to Blackpool. So forget 
that they're only a few miles down the road. This is an awful team that's that's rocked up at Molyneux without their keeper and without Conor Gallagher as well. A couple of really key players. And somehow... I mean, And others as well. Dean Garner as well. Others. Phillips as well. Yeah, others too. And you just knew... I think I think Wolves are already 1-0 down at this point, but when when Albion sent a free kick into the box and a la Burnley, the second goal for Burnley, it was headed back across the box into the six-yard box where not Chris Wood this time, but Callum Robinson, was completely on his own and just couldn't quite divert the ball past Rui Patricio. At that point, I just thought, this this is this is going to be a disgusting day, to be honest. And that's exactly how it unfolded, because it's the same defensive problems week after week. If you look at the performance, by no means the, the worst performance of the Nuno era. It's probably it's the most embarrassing results, is how I'd term it, but not the worst result or performance. They had 23 shots. It's the most shots they've had all season. Um, and in terms of the general pattern of the game... It was just the same defensive problems. Not taking your chances. I know, I know they've scored twice, and it should be pointed out they've scored 18-4 recently. So they have sort of resolved their goal-scoring issues in the short term, but it's at the back. And we said last week, he's got to go back to three at the back. As much as I sort of didn't mind that team sheet at all, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that he hasn't done it. I'm amazed that he hasn't done it, gone back to the tried and tested formation. So it's the same problems as against Everton. Panic-stricken defending at crucial moments. And... Again, as against Everton, it was netto or nothing going forward. Everything's on this lad's shoulders. Traore, okay, he, he had a few decent moments. But on the main, it was netto or nothing. You know, he put 15 crosses in against Albion. He's now fifth in the league for the amount of chances created this season of any player. And that's only behind De Bruyne, Grealish, Fernandez, and Mount. That's the company that he's in. That's how well he's playing. But he's got no help around him. At half-time, I did think they'd be okay. I did think they'd sharpen up. But as against Brighton, which is really alarming, they've blown a half-time lead soon after the break. That is not like them. And the last 30 minutes just felt like the last days of Rome to me because you had Cody taken off, which was a real jaw-on-the-floor moment. Then you had you already had Neves off, your vice-captain. And then Matinho's off, your most experienced player. There's no leadership at all. They were rudderless. And then you had Nuno sat on the bench. Again, stunned at that. Really noticeable to me. I can always tell because he's in my eye line, you see, from my vantage in the press box. He's always in my eye line. And he's a constant figure stood in that technical area. But he was sat on the bench motionless really and a lot of people watching tv noticed it as well so you know the five one nine years ago i never ever thought that there'd be parallels between that game and this game but but there were i mean it was it was just i couldn't believe what i was seeing um and for all nuno's talk of being desperate for fans to be there i bet he's glad there wasn't a full time because you know judging on social media reaction um fans were understandably livid with what they're seeing you talked about the parallels between the five one and this one I was trying to be really positive and was texting you, even at 1-0 down and one all and 2-1 up. I was saying to you, still on for 5-1, still on for 5-1, as in, <laughs> as in, Wolves could really do this. That. Oh, I'm so glad. But yeah, and that's what it should have been, shouldn't it? For a team as talented as Wolves against a team who've conceded so many goals recently and one win all season. But somehow they've managed to concede three goals in the first 55 minutes or so at home to a side that hadn't scored three away from home for seven seasons in the Premier League. It was absolutely extraordinary. I mean, just going back to the team sheet, you say you were quite happy with it. But when I saw or thought 
having seen the squad list, the team sheet, that Saiz was playing at left back. I did worry, but then I thought, well, that's what happened at Leeds. And whilst it was poor first half, there was so much better second half. Still wasn't comfortable with that. But do you think that decision is because they thought Eight Nori was not strong enough defensively or physically to be able to play the left of a back five with him being the only option at the moment because Marcel, again, is injured? They wanted to add some defensive solidity into the team and Saiz is going to do that ahead of Eight Nori. He's not going to offer anything going forward. We've seen Leeds, the Leeds game you mentioned, I think Fulham at home as well. He was also left back that day or left wing back rather. Um, and also some more height in the box for set pieces. Um, but Saiz only won 38% of his headers. Uh, and we've seen it a lot in recent weeks, balls going above his head. So I could, I could see the logic of his um, formation. I could see the logic in theory of him taking Cody off because these these problems with winning headers in the box is just never ending. And he, he had to bring eight Nori on for a threat, more of a threat down the left. I'm guessing he's thinking out of Saiz, Bolly and Cody. Saiz and Bolly are the ones that are going to win the majority of the headers. But even still, it just led to this, this rudderless leadership at, at the end of the game. 4-2-4, they ended up playing. Um, passes going here, there and everywhere. No pressure on the Albion defence for that last sort of 10-15 minutes other than one Catroni shot, which he should have done better with. So, and Albion, we're, we're keeping it in the corner at the other end. I mean, it, everything just, just, just completely fell apart in terms of tactics, formation, leadership, momentum, everything. It was a shambles. Yeah, and we will come on to that later on in the pod, particularly towards the end about the overall leadership and communication. But just going back to the decisions, and this is not excusing the performance, but obviously decisions by the referee do have an effect on the game significantly with two penalties awarded. The first one, Adama Traore gave the ball away 15 yards out. And as soon as that happened, I thought, uh-oh. And sure enough, they got the ball into Callum Robinson, who wasn't in the box at any stage. But he was challenged by Bolly. It was rash challenge by Bolly and completely needless in that position. Did you think it was a penalty? Was any part of Callum Robinson's foot on the line with the line, all of the line counting as part of the box? When I saw it again from from a decent position in 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 the Billy Wright lower or upper rather, um, I thought it was outside the box, and um, the replays seemed to add to that really. Um, so I thought I thought I thought it was a daft it's a daft moment to be sticking your foot in from Bolly. I know he's a bit rusty after not playing for a few weeks, but it was a foul. And yet, despite VAR, they've, they've judged it to be in, inside the box. I mean, we've got about to the lawmakers on that one, but for me, I didn't think it was a penalty. Yeah, they judged that part of Robinson's foot was on the line. I couldn't see it myself. I tend to be very objective in these decisions, but just couldn't see it. And the VAR's decision is only to intervene if they think a clear and obvious error has occurred. And they didn't think so. It seemed to be all very quick. But looking at the still shots and 100 replays, to think that you get a free shot from 12 yards when something's as unclear as that seems to be very harsh, but... Hey, what about the handball or the hands ball? I've not really heard it described as that before. But the this is one that really upsets a lot of supporters is that Kieran Gibbs moved both hands towards the ball as it came over the head of Fabio Silva. This is at 1-0 down. And he, he virtually caught it right on the goal line. And if that's your team defending, you absolutely expect a penalty to be given against you. You absolutely expect it, don't you? I mean, I know it, it sort of felt like a basketball game at that point with attacks from one end to the field, but Gibbs took it literally, really, by by basically catching the ball. And if if his arms were were by his side, 
then I would understand it. But they're not in a natural position. As you say, they've moved towards the ball. It's a penalty. It's a penalty. Uh, this is not the reason that Wolves lost the game, but for goodness sake, we've got VAR for these decisions. So why is that? Is that not given? So a, a, a question um, posed to me on Twitter. Ollie says, in the last podcast, Jackie, you said Michael Oliver was the best referee in the country. Do you still agree? <laughs> I do think he's a very good referee. I I am very concerned. Like I said in the last pod, it's not so much the referee I'm worried about. It's more the VAR and the fact they don't intervene enough because they're... Hi- I don't want to say hiding behind. I, I know it's a really tough, tough, tough job. It is. And they don't want to overturn referees' decisions. They and want the, case, the man in the just middle. just to add, is that the case more so because he's, an, he's a senior experienced referee and they might not want... David Coop might not want to overrule him. Is, that, is there an issue yeah. here? And also don't forget that the issue with outside the box, inside the box is not subjective. It's a case of fact. That's another issue. So it's not a case, well, I think it might be, and oh, I think it's not. It's supposed to be a matter of fact, and they feel that it wasn't a clear and obvious error. So, um, But in terms of the handball one, I checked with Mark Holsey. It's becoming a, a weekly thing now, WhatsApp you saying, here's a decision, what do you think? And he said on the first one about potentially the foot being on the line and what have you. But in terms of the, the handball one, he said, I don't think there would have been any complaints had a penalty been given. And I don't think Nuno will be happy with the handball incident. And of course, Nuno, as he always says, is I haven't seen the images. Fair enough. Doesn't want to get into trouble. Well, he went, he's gone back to that after his Lee Mason fine. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But I mean, I look back at the, not that I'm bitter, but I look back at the handball decision, which cost Wolves the entire game against Leicester away when Max Kilman running with his arms in entirely a natural position and the ball catches him from across penalty Leicester got three points they're second in the Premier League now and I put that to another ex-referee who I'm friends with at the weekend who said oh but the law's changed since then and I said well brilliant cheers for that 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 really helps that really really, helps that really evens it out over the season doesn't it but when you see those next to each other you think hang on a minute and it's not the first time is it and as I keep saying I'm not an attacker of referees I don't just slate them I don't go to a match on a Saturday in order to have a go at referees that's not how I am but it is very difficult for Wolves to keep facing these decisions. The Burnley away one, there are probably many more as well that spring to mind, uh, that should spring to mind. Um, but that one is very, very difficult. Anyway, so Wolves did still come from behind. And whilst we're talking about decisions, I spent the weekend being a little bit aggrieved about the decision for the Connor Cody penalty. And then I've gone on the Sky Sports website and looked at their highlights and they show a reverse angle that actually Connor did kick the heel of Callum Robinson. That absolutely was a penalty. So never mind refereeing decisions. You have to look at Wolves defensively and say, for the first one, Adama Traore's decision-making, trying to dribble out of a defensive position. Willie Bolly's decision to dive in totally needlessly, just outside stroke on the edge of the box. Connor Cody, who we are the biggest fans of in the world in terms of everything that that man offers the club. But you have to say that was a dreadful decision to go through the back of a player who is nowhere near scoring from there. And how many times do we say on this pod that Wolves don't get penalty decisions inside the box, they don't attack enough, they don't get inside the box enough. And then you've got opposition teams who don't have to be any good at football, just turning and managing to get a defender to um, to, to stick a foot in. Happy days. And they score a couple of goals out of it and they've come away with three points. No, you're absolutely right. And that, that's indicative of, of Wolves' defending recently. And, and, and Cody had a really poor game, you've got to say, and that's and that's contributing to him coming off the pitch. You know, it's it's a soft penalty to give away because 
that they're not going to, both of them are soft to give away. They're not going to be scoring from those positions. And yet, as you say, give them two free shots from, from 12 yards and then, and Cody's beaten in the air from the long throw for the second. So um, Neves as well. I mean, he had a hand to the face. He's been beaten in the air a few times recently and I don't blame him too much because he's not the tallest of lads. So what, why is he marking? He was marking Lewis Dunk against Brighton um, for, for, for their sec- the second or third goal the other week. So And, and I think he was marking uh, Kurt Zuma for a chance that Chelsea had a couple of weeks ago. So I know they're not blessed with heights, but maybe that's something they need to look at if this continues because... Um, Nevers is not going to win many. It's not going to beat many players in in the box. He's not. He's not the team to win headers. Hey, folks, don't worry. Plenty more where that came from in just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, we're going to bring in a couple of true Wolves legends who were stalwarts of the club for many years and signed from West Brom when Wolves were about to reach their lowest ebb in the fourth tier. That was an ignominious three 0 FA Cup replay defeat away to Chorley at Bolton's Burnden Park in November 1986. Andy Thompson and all-time record goal scorer Steve Bull. Welcome to both of you to the Molyneux View. Hello, how are you? How are you doing? You're okay. Oh, oh, don't ask us how we're doing, Fruit. Just how we're doing. Oh, goodness gracious. Now, before we go on to some of the other issues, and and Chorley, of course, just what are your considered reflections now that you've had a couple of days to think about it on that defeat at home to Albion? Bully. I I just think I'm absolutely gutted, to be fair. Um, You know, I mean, I sit by Tom and we look at each other and we think, geez, what's going on here today? You know, I mean, it's. um, it was one of them, and uh, it was one of the worst, I think, one of the worst uh, derbies I've seen from a Wolves team from a, a very, very long time. There was no passion, no commitment, and there was uh, quite a few players that didn't turn up on the day. And you can't do that, you know what I mean, because uh, how they won that game was through uh, determination and hard work and stopped us playing, and uh, they were very, very poor, I've been so what does that make us? I think there were a team there for the beating, when they say, I think that, the record, what they got going into the game, only one win in the Premier League this year. Uh, I know we've been struggling for victories, but again, you can't afford to give people time and space in the penalty area, and that's where we got punished. And I know we created a lot of opportunities, but not a lot of them were on target or hit the target, and that would be a concern. So, look, at the end of the day, you've got to try and t- you've got to take your chances. You can't afford to keep missing opportunities to win games and. And the biggest one that we all know, you can't keep conceding goals the way we are. Bully, we've talked about how defensively strong Wolves have been previously and how defensively weak they've been recently. But how much do you put what happened on Saturday down to character or lack of it? Yeah, there was there was, there was hardly none of it. Yeah, as you can tell in my voice, the way I'm talking at the moment, I'm, I'm bitterly, massively disappointed. Uh, not just because it was the Albion, it was uh, the manner we lost it as well. Uh, we was on our back foot uh, all the time. We got caught for the penalties because it was too slow. And I think some of these uh, players that we've got at the moment need a, a bit of a wake-up call. And Connor did have a wake-up call to say you can fetch anybody off and do whatever. As you say, it's it's only one game. We are 10 points off, off third from bottom. And that's it is a bit worrying in the situation we are with the players that we've got, the youth in the side. Can that carry us on now to get us further at the table? Tomo, we were a bit concerned and discussed on this podcast last week about whether the players would know what this game meant to the supporters. Bearing in mind they are cocooned at the best of times, but particularly at the moment, they're not popping to the supermarket, they're not popping to the corner shop, they're not going down the Manda Centre, they're not seeing anybody. They're completely reliant on the Wolves fans in the club to really make it clear to them. And Nuno in his press conference on Friday said, oh yeah, yeah, we know, we know what it means. Did they play like they knew what it meant? 
Look, so I, I think that none of us go out there to play bad games or whatever. There's people within the, the camp and in the squad that realise what it means to everybody else. I know that Connor Cody had a meeting with people in the in the tunnel and jeering them on and getting them started for the game. So, again, John Ruddy, you hear shouting from the sidelines all the time. So I do think that they realise what it means to everybody else. But basically, I think the need to play in front of the home fans to really realise what it really means to everybody. So I can, and that's what's missing. The fans are the thing that make these games. And, and if we'd had them at the weekend, I'm sure that we'd, uh, the result would have been a lot different. Bully, so Tom, I mentioned Cody there. What did you make of the substitution and the fact that the last 20 minutes you had you know, your captain off for the first time under Nuno? You had your vice-captain Neves was off, Matinho was off, Nuno uh, sat on the bench. It seemed like everything was, was sort of falling apart for those last 20 minutes. It was. It reminded me of the uh, when we played Watford in the uh, semi-final, uh, where he made uh, strange decisions. But he's the manager. He can do what he wants to do. But uh, as you say, Connor is the stalwart of the uh, of the absolute wall side. He keeps everybody together. Keeps everybody going. But even he had an off day uh, against the Albion. Everybody has off days, and we had too many people who had a off off day on Saturdays, and that's why we lost the game. We saw one of the few highlights or positives for the game was Fabio Silva finally getting his first goal from open play. I thought he took it really well. Steve, what have you made of his progress so far? Yeah, you can, you can see he's got something, uh, but he ain't got something more than later. I think he, uh, I think they need to buy, um, bring him in gradually. I think uh, I couldn't understand when there was about twenty minutes to go on uh, Saturday. He'd run his legs off, and we got a, we got somebody on the, on the leash in Catroni, raring to go. Why did they put him on for the last twenty minutes and give him a good go? I couldn't understand it, but Silva, you can you can see he's got something, but I think he needs to be introduced uh, twenty minutes, half an hour, bring him out for the game. We need somebody experienced up there at this moment in time to get these goals that we desperately need. Do you both think that Wolves need to sign somebody either on loan or permanently in this window? I think definitely. I think definitely we we definitely need it. I think uh, in the middle of the park we've got the experience. You know, I, mean, I think uh, Neves uh, and Matinho had a really quiet day on Saturday, but that, that you allowed that. But as I say, we are we are lacking at the moment, and I just think uh, we just need to sign somebody really quickly, really, even if it's on loan or whatever. Just go out there and get somebody. Yeah, I think that it's it's a priority. I think that we need to get somebody to help Silver up front because at the end of the day, isn't it? Eighteen-year-old lad who's coming to a side, uh, and look, would he play every game? Um, if uh, Jimenez was fit, no, he wouldn't. He'd be only having uh, cameos, appearances. So it's it's difficult because you've got a lot of young lads in there. I know, I think it was last week, I think we had, was it six um, young players in the team? And, and, and I know it's people say, well, if he's good enough, he should be playing. But it's a lot on them. So it's, this Premier League is ruthless. It's like it doesn't give you any opportunities, as it's proven that we've got to keep playing till the end. We can't uh, allow people time and space because you get punished. And look, Silvio, Silva is going to be a good player, as Bully's touching on there. But at the minute, he is finding it very difficult because, as I say, he's put up there on his own. He's coming up against very experienced players in this Premier League and very good players as well. So, yeah, I think that they do need to go out and get some experience, especially in that front line for me. Both of you, starting with Bully, if you were Nuno, what would you do now going forward? Not so much for Chorley, but for Chelsea away. Would you go back to a back five and who would you be selecting and what would you be doing differently? 
Easy, all day long. Uh, consistency last year and the year before uh, was playing the same players week in, week out, week in, week out. And uh, we've been chopping and changing. I can understand it because players have gone and new players have come in. But he's got to get to get used to back to that situation where, like he took Cody off on uh, Saturday, why didn't he leave Cody off on, play the three at the back and push the other two up and, 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 and force them to, to get players in the box? I couldn't understand it. And I think Nuno has got to get back to what he's used to, uh, used to playing, the same team as what he's used to playing week in, week out. And now injuries, I know people have been sold, new ones are going to come in, they're going to take time. This is an experimental time at the moment for the club because there are a lot of youngsters and I think in two years' time, it, these will will be absolutely top draw players but it's a present we need present now we need to stay in the Premier League and, uh, and, and grow for the next two years I'll agree with Bully on the I think they need to go back to what they uh, relied on before what kept the clean sheets that's the reason. one of the biggest reasons why they were pushing up the league and pushing for European places is because of not conceding um, and I understand that he's got to evolve the team I understand that he's got to change the the team and the, the mentality of it, uh, again. But for me, I would go back to the back three as well. I think that we know what players can do. The players know um, what they should be doing in the in that formation. I know we're probably going to struggle a little bit with uh, new players coming in and people being injured. But for me, we've got to stop conceding goals. We've got to try and stop it somehow. And we did that with the back three. So for me, I would go back to that back three. Tomo, as, as Bullish touched on there, a lot of the players they've got are for the future, but but one that they've signed for now for a lot of money is, is Nelson Semedo. As a fellow fullback, where do you think he's going wrong at the moment? Because he does look like he's got a mistake in him most weeks. Yeah, he looks so I think that the pressure that's been building with not getting results hasn't helped. I think he's coming to uh, and come to a country uh, which is all strange for him, and like he's coming to a side that's not getting victories. So I think that that's one of the probably one of the biggest problems. I think probably wing back playing in a three probably would suit him a little bit better because we can see what he's like going forward. We can see that he's got the ability to to get up the field, and I think that's probably one of the big things as well because of the the, the shape that we're playing with the four. I think that he probably has felt it a little bit more difficult where where he's come from Barcelona, where he's got that freedom to bomb forward. And I know that he's still got it to a certain degree, but I think playing with a back three. I think will would help him a lot in the in the way that we play. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com/courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now 
round as a small matter of uh, an FA Cup match next, lads. It's, it's got a little bit of a ring to it, hey? Chorley away. Now, there will be people listening who will be hearing that name and going, oh my God, because they remember it well. But there are plenty younger ones who weren't around at the time or weren't supporting Wolves or, or weren't born maybe at the time. Can you just paint a picture for us briefly on, on what it was like for you two having just signed for the club and going to watch that? So like when we first signed for the club, because we couldn't play because it was the FA Cup, um, but we went to the game. Um, it wasn't a very uh, nice night either, so like, the conditions uh, weren't great. So I've, this morning, ironically, I've looked at the the pitch and the goals and everything else that went on with it. And again, you, you think about pitches and the way that we what we play on at the moment. And and I'm not blaming the pitch, of course, but say so, like the conditions just weren't great for football. Uh, and to go there uh, on our first night watching the Wolves playing the games and to lose 3-0 was a, a bit of a blow to say the least from a pair of us <laughs> where we wondered what, what, what have we done at some, uh, some point. I was thinking last night, you wouldn't believe, I'm thinking, how, how can we beat you? How can we beat them? It ain't like going back to Bolton on their mediocre surface. I was thinking, get Nuno to take uh, all the players this week and go and take them to the park pitches and, uh, and start playing on them because <laughs> they, they ain't going to get a, a flat ball on the surface. and <laughs> No way at all. So I, I do seriously think he ought to, just for this week or a couple of days, just take them to a park and say, this is what you got to play on so, so they can get used to it because the first touches on them bobbly pitches yeah me and Tom are to have a good first touch on them pitches but they are going to have an eye opener the players are going to have an eye opener and I think uh, um, I'm just hoping I'm going to go back in to like 1986 where there was uh, pictures in the paper the cop on a coffin with rest in peace wolves you're going down you're going out the league you come out the FA Cup I'm hoping it ain't the turntable as we've just lost against Albion and we lose against Chorley these players have got to go out now roll the sleeves up and they know they're going to be in a fight I don't think they understand how much of a battle this is going to be I don't think any of them have experienced this kind of game uh, and the conditions that they're going to be under as well I just think it's going to be interesting and the, and the need to know that this foremost is good, there's going to be a battle it's going to be a tough game um, I spoke to I spoke to Graham Turner last week briefly and uh, he said uh, bless him he, he doesn't remember many games these days but he said but he says he does remember Chorley and he said he said he said he said the pair of you both looked so shell shocked that you wanted to go back to the Albion we did we did, me and Tom. I was in the boardroom having a glass of orange juice, and we just, we just looked at each other and thought, "What the hell are we done here?" Well, that was a dark time. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom, we never looked back since. We never looked back, mate. No. Oh no! Oh, and what a what a comeback it was from uh, taking walls from the doldrums of those days up a couple of divisions. 102 goals in two seasons, bully as well, and into England. And all the rest is history, of course. But looking ahead to this Friday night, Chorley ninth in National League North as it stands. They're beating the likes of Derby, albeit the the youngsters there. Peterborough away and Wigan away already. What sort of Wolves team do you think he should put out? Nuno, would you expect to see a bit of beef in the likes of Owen Otisawi, for example? 
How would you I change think, things up? I, th- I, th- I think he's got to um, he's, he's got to go with people who's going to put the foot in. I think he's got to he ain't got to have these uh, pity patty footballers who play. Not not disrespect because we are Premiership class, but this is going to be kick it and run. This is what it's going to be like. You're not going to be able to play football. And Leeds tried to do it the other day and they couldn't do it. And that was overall by the the power and the strength of the long ball over the top and whatever. So we have got to, we have got to put a side out there who's going to roll the sleeves up and have a really really good go. Yeah, and I think that I think they need to understand that they're not going to be able, to, as Bully's touched on there, they're not going to be able to play nice football. They're going to have to play like, as you say, percentage football where you can't afford to have too many touches. You can't afford. You're not going to have time on the ball. They're going to press everything. They're going to try and bombard you. As again, Bully's just mentioned about long balls going into there. They're going to put pressure on us, and they've got. He's got to make sure that he puts a team in there who realizes what's going to come because I think that. The battle that they're going to have to deal with, and you know that in any game that you've got to out battle or outplay the team before you can earn the right to play. And just finally, to both of you, what do you say to the Wolves supporters who are starting to doubt whether Nuno's heart's in it and whether he is still the right man for the job? Um, well, you, you, you can't. It's it's. It, it. <laughs> We've been in this position before, like say nineteen eighty six, and then following on nineteen nineteen, Mick McCarthy and other majors come in, come out. Listen, look where we are. We're in a great, great place at the moment. It's absolutely unbelievable. We're in experimental time at the moment to get these players, these young players, up and ready. And I said on on BT Sport on Saturday that this team reminds me of the one like where Man U had, where they had the Gigs, the Beckhams, the Skulls, the Neville brothers, all in the same team together, and it took them probably two years to get them pushing for the top. And I think this team is like that, but it's his present time now. We need experience in this side as soon as possible, seriously. It's the first time that we've had any real injury problems. We've been very lucky with injuries, with the way that we've gone. We've been able to put out near enough the same team all the time. Uh, and I think that people have got to understand that we're missing quality players. I know Bolly come back um, at the weekend, but... We are missing value players. And again, we're missing our talisman, the leading goal scorer, Jimenez. So I just think that it's a, it's, it's an interesting time that, and a transition time where he's trying to bring in youth into the side. Unfortunately, he's had to play them. Uh, and look, so we all know so it's all right bringing them in and out and letting them get experience. But they've had to sustain uh, matches. They've had to play a lot of games. And, it, and they are found it difficult. But for me, I think that Nuno's art is into it. I think that he's working hard with them, trying to sort the problems out. And again, I think that he'll be looking at them conceding goals, which is a major problem at the minute. And I, I, and I think he'll still get it right. I still think he's the man for the job. I still think he's going to be the one that sorts it out because he has brought that many players on uh, and improved players. I've got trust in him that he'll do that again. And, and look, we're all disappointed as fans, but... We know that, that that hopefully that we're going to get in the right place. Yeah, I think I, th- I think I'm, I'm on the same line as you, Tomo. You know, we've gone through some highs and lows with different managers and and fans all of a sudden turning after it's not going right. You ain't going to win every game of the season. You know, what I mean? you're going to have your ups and downs all over the place. So all I got to say to the Wolves fans is stick with what we've got because if Nuno goes and uh, and bad things happen to the club again, you mean what what they're going to say then? So get behind the club now. Get behind the club. This is not a bad time at the moment. We're on a bit of a slippy slope. We're not in the doldrums like 1986 and going at the FA Cup to Chorley. We're in a good place. We just need a little bit of time. We need the supporters to get behind the manager and the team. 
Oh, go on, Bully. Love that. Go on, Bully. Go on, Tomo. You tell him. You tell him. Message loud and clear. Do you know what? I think you've just cheered up thousands of Wolves supporters who are feeling pretty flaming rotten about life. So very well said. Bully and Tomo, thank you so much. No Any time at all. Look at yourself. Oh, bless you both. You're wonderful, wonderful humans. And just before you go, Stevie Ball, you are available to view on another platform, I gather. Yes, on Memo. Yes, I'm uh, I'm on there. You go to the site. Uh, you can have a look on there. You can book me to do messages for you, birthday messages, anniversaries, good luck messages, just even to have a chat, just to cheer people up in these bad times. So uh, if you want to see my face or FaceTime me or a message, get, go to Memo and uh, I'll try and cheer you up. He could be very busy. <laughs> Very, 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 the busiest man in lockdown you will be now if you're offering Wolves fans to be cheered up my goodness we're doing about 10,000 a day that's more than vaccinations I know I know I just want to do something (laughs) good lads thanks for joining us on the Molyneux View so we've heard from Tim we've heard from Bully and Tomo let's hear from Nuno now in his post-match press conference after that Albion defeat no, we don't look at the table. We look at how we, we are doing things and we are not doing things well. So we need to work and try to find better solutions and decisions. It's not about the table. There's only one solution to go to the training ground and, and work at the same time, analyze and, and try to, to find better solutions for the team. It's football, mistakes, bad decisions that require better, better solutions. We, we try to change. Trying to find solutions on the bench, players coming in, trying to give to give a boost and a, an impact on the game. We had chances, but we didn't achieve it. So that was a compilation of Nuno's best bits from his post-match press conference at the weekend. Tim, there was a, a standout phrase that he keeps coming up with about finding solutions, and we used to joke about it on this pod because it was a twice-weekly thing before and after matches. But now it's starting to really grate on supporters. Do you think? Nuno's aware of that. Does he care? I don't think he cares. I think he's probably aware, but I don't think he cares. I was disappointed in his post-match comments. Um, Before the game on Friday, as some people will have seen on social media, uh, he gave gave the best press conference of his Wolves tenure. He came out um, in a gregarious mood, laughing, bantering with journalists, um, giving up information that nobody had even asked for. I mean, a question from um, Paul Doyle at The Guardian. How are you going to solve your defensive issues? And his answer was, Willie Bolly's going to play tomorrow. Um, now, obviously, they didn't get very well. But the point was, he volunteered the fact that Bolly was going to start in the team for absolutely no, you know, under no uh, duress to do so. And gave some great stories and anecdotes. And he was brilliant. And I just wonder, A, why that was. And I presume it's because he's, perhaps noticing that he's getting a bit of flack from fans for the first time in four years and, and and people have noticed that he's been more grumpy than ever perhaps and miserable and looking down recently. I think that was him saying, no, I'm fine. I'm confident. You know, We've got a great team. We're going to go out and beat West Brom tomorrow in a must-win game was how he termed it. He was feeling confident. So then after, like I said, the most embarrassing defeat of his tenure and the one that means pretty much more than most than any game that he's managed to supporters to come out and give three minutes of autopilot quotes where he gave I don't think he was even listening to the questions half the time and just gave these robotic answers about solutions didn't want to talk about anything it was put to him 
what do you say to the fans? Uh, there was no kind of real remorse or apology. I think that's done deliberately because he probably doesn't want to concede that. Um, asked why was Cody withdrawn? He just went back to his usual, you know, we had options. We wanted to bring eight Nori on. Didn't go into it at all. So he's gone completely the other way. And I felt like that made it worse, actually. I know that sometimes managers can give excuses that fans don't want to hear, which irates them further. And Paul Lambert did that a lot. Whereas Nuno now is is making them more irate by saying nothing, and you're seeing Nuno press conference bingo tweets, and and you know we're going to hear this bloody word solutions again, and and people are annoyed by it because they want explanations, but that's his choice not to give them. He doesn't like to give much away in the media, and he's what the last thing he wanted to do and would ever do was turn on his players, and you know he shielded them apart from sort of generic lines about how the defence needed improving he did shield them from individual blame certainly as he always does if people want to watch any of these press conferences by the way you can see them on youtube if you go to beanie man b-e-a-n-y-m-a-n and search for nuno wolves and whichever team he's talking about whether it's pre-match or post-match there's five minutes on there post-match from the weekend and Andrew Colley asks does Nuno ever get challenged in these presses because people don't really hear the questions that are being asked to him what would you say to that Tim? I'd say he's he's a master at bringing um, an open-ended question and and shutting it down and and talking in his normal routines you know he doesn't doesn't open up about transfers doesn't really open up about about tactics you know you ask him should you get to three at the back? Why? What? Why have you got four at the back? He'll just say, "We'll look at it this week. We'll look at it in training." You know, he he doesn't doesn't really want to open and expand on these issues, which I think leads fans to think that the wrong questions have been asked. Um, but really, he's just a, a master at, at at saying a lot, but saying nothing at the same time. Um, a bit of a press officer's dream, really. But you've got this sort of communication vacuum at the moment where nobody's really explaining from the club as to what's sort of gone wrong in the last sort of two three months. So that's an ongoing issue. It is. Communication is vital. When things are going well, it's clearly less of a problem because you're not going to talk about finding solutions too much. But when things are going wrong now in terms of defence and Nuno's talking about mistakes being made and people want a little bit more detail, they're not necessarily getting that. And then people start to look at the bigger picture and say, but hang on a minute, it's only five minutes ago that Jeff was talking about wanting to be top four or win the league or be the biggest club in the stratosphere or whatever it was um, in terms of great ambition. And from that point of view, fans want to know what's gone wrong. Is it just a case of a boatload of injuries happening for the first time that they didn't anticipate? Was it just Raul Jimenez um, getting clattered in the head, which has resulted in a lack of firepower? One win since that game at Arsenal in the Premier League. Is it a combination of factors? And We don't hear from Jeff Shee too often. Do you think perhaps it would be in Jeff Shee's interest to do an interview now or not? I don't think, and from what I gather, this is the club's stance. I'm not sure it's in their interest to come out after a defeat and explain why, you know, from the top. And they're not going to be reactive. And this is different because I remember when they were in their promotion season from the championship and they were miles clear at the top of the league, but they lost 4-1 to Villa and there was a wobble. There was a wobble too much from the end of the season. And the day after that Villa game, I interviewed Jeff Shee and he was very keen to point out, you know, this is okay, we're still on the right track, we've lost 4-1 to Villa, but calm down everyone. You know, that was his decision to do that interview the day after that game. That's not going to happen anymore. They've moved away from that and I I wouldn't expect to hear from him now because we're in the middle of a transfer window for one. I think, I, I, I doubt he'd speak during a window. 
And I think what you've got to do in this situation, which is what Wolves are doing, is compare themselves to other clubs. If Man United lose 6-1 at home to Spurs, Ed Woodward doesn't come out on Monday morning and say, God, we're so sorry, you know, this is what's gone wrong, this is what's gone wrong, and this is what we're going to do to put it right. They're not reacting to the emotions of the fans in terms of coming out and explaining things. And that's what Wolves are moving towards now. And in fact, they have moved towards. I wouldn't expect to hear from Jeff anytime soon. It has been a while, but that doesn't mean they don't care any less. It means that they're running it less on emotions, less on Steve Morgan going into the dressing room and sacking Mick McCarthy after an, after a defeat to Albion. Folks are not going to do that. They're running it as a business. They don't see a poor run of form or a 3-2 defeat to Albion in the same context that supporters do. You know, They'll look at it and say, look, we were sixth after, after we beat Arsenal. We were four points off the lead of the table when we beat Arsenal. Jimenez got injured that day and a lot of problems have carried on since and led to this run of form. That's the way they'll see it. They'll look at the big picture and they'll say, look, we've got young players, as, as, as Bully was saying earlier, that have been brought to improve in the long run and we are on the right path. So it feels like to me they're making a conscious effort and a conscious decision not to kind of give these rabble-rousing interviews purely to appease supporters. And Wolves fans aren't used to that. Jez Moxie would speak to Express and Star pretty much every week um, back in the day. Uh, Laurie Dorimple would, would tweet after every game. They're not doing that anymore. You won't find any of the hierarchy on Twitter doing that now. Kevin Thelwell would, would speak pretty regularly. The days of senior club staff coming out and speaking and giving updates... Uh, I've gone, I think. And I think there's a feeling of when emotions are running high and things are going really wrong, we probably can't win whatever we say, I think is uh, with a certain element of the fan base is probably what, what they're thinking. And like I said, you know, they're, they're looking more towards what Man United, Spurs, Liverpool might do. They don't come out and, and give these kind of updates to a, to appease fans in a, in a crisis, in inverted commas, which I don't think this is yet, by the way. So, um, so yeah, Sarah tweeted, say, has Jeff gone into hiding? Wolves first tweeted to say a very good source tells me there are financial issues in the background and a diminishing interest from Foson. In terms of Jeff's interest and Foson's interest, absolutely not. You know, from the conversations that I've had, they are very much looking to the long term for the whole club and the Wolves brand. And you know, it's not just the first team anymore. It's esports. It's fashion. They're looking to to build Wolves as a, as an identity in a club over many years, ultimately to make money. You know, you can't forget that when you're thinking about anything in terms of transfers or anything. They're, they're here to make money and make this club profitable. So there's lots of things to get used to. We're not we're not used to the to Wolves being run like this, but they firmly believe that they're on the right track in the long term with everything that they're, that they're doing. So Wolves fans worrying about Foson being hit by the COVID pandemic and all the issues around that. You're saying, don't worry about that, it's irrelevant. Oh, no, that's definitely relevant. There are definitely issues around that. They don't know what their income uh, bottom line is going to be this year. Now, that's worrying for any for any business. And I think you can directly relate that to last summer's transfer window, where, yes, they spent £80 million, but they also recouped about £80 million. There was a net spend of zero last summer. What company, what business would further go into the red in a financial year on purpose when they don't know what their income streams are going to be. You know, it, it's, it wouldn't make any financial sense to spend above their means in a pandemic when you don't know when fans are going to be back and all the money that comes with uh, that and, you know, the risk of a season ending or broadcast money not being paid out. These are very uncertain times and that's directly uh, had an impact on, on last summer's spending, I think, in terms of net spend and also what they're doing this January. They're not going to go out and spend uh, 10, 15 million on a striker 
um, next week, knowing that the season might end in two weeks. You never know; the season might be curtailed. Um, so these are the kind of these are the kind of things that that that, that, that they're thinking about. They're, they've never been in this for short term game. They've never been in this for glory or you know chucking loads of money at, at, at the club so they can win the league cup next year and and then we'll see what happens after that. That's not the way that they're thinking. You know, they're, they're thinking about it as a business in everything they do, which which takes a bit getting used to. Totally understand what you're saying, but there are some Wolves fans who would point to the fact that Wolves are 10 points clear of the relegation zone, but having played two games more. So they might look at that and go, hang on a minute, that's just four points in theory. And it's not just where they are, it's the direction of travel, which is a concern, which is conceding so many goals. And yes, scoring a couple, but not enough, losing back-to-back matches and then looking ahead. And then you've got Chelsea away next, then Palace away, then Arsenal home Leicester home and Southampton away and Leeds and these are all difficult matches and Wolves fans at the moment are thinking hang on a minute where are the points coming from when Wolves are looking so vulnerable at the back so can you understand the fact there's slight amounts of panic setting in in terms of potential relegation battle not being too dramatic? Of course I can Um, from a business point of view they'll look at it and say we've got an asset in Raul Jimenez that's going to return and we've spent 35 million on another striker asset in the summer. So why would we go and buy another striker now? That doesn't make financial sense. Or loan one to fill the void. In, in the reality of football, in a week's time, if they lose to Chelsea and Fulham beat Man United at home and Brighton away, then there'll be four points off relegation in a week's time. So, yeah, if you're talking about how much your club is worth and assets and everything, uh, it won't be worth much if, they, if they're going to be relegated this year. So you've got you've got to... Yes, plan for the long term, but you've got to look at current events as well. And I know they're not going to panic. They'll never do that. I know they're not going to throw money at a situation. And this is good. This is what you want from your owners. However, they're in a spot of bother. A quick fix for me, easier said than done, but a quick fix for me is is, is a must really this month. They've got to bring someone in. Silva's not going to score goals regularly now. Catrone, I mean, it's hard to judge him on his sub appearances, but he hasn't shown he hasn't shown anything yet, and he wasn't the answer a year ago. Discarded by Nuno, why is he the answer now? So they've got to try and bring someone on loan, someone to score four or five goals between the between now and the rest of the season. As I've said, it's two it's about two million a place in the Premier League. So if you're looking financially, a couple of million on a loan fee, who's going to bump you up the table? That's that's worth it financially as well. But more importantly, to drag them away from any notion that they will get sucked into a relegation battle this season. That has to happen very soon. And as you say, with the fixtures they've got coming up, they are not the most appetising. So changes have got to be made soon. Changes in the formation and changes in, in, in personnel. And if that means bringing someone on loan for a short-term fix, then they've, they've got to bite the bullet and do it. Richard Morris, we need unity, not a manager and chairman incommunicado with each other and the fans. I think Wolves fans are really just wanting to hear from somebody at the club. And whilst, as you say, maybe not Jeff Shee, but they're getting nothing from Nuno. We're not hearing many player interviews either. I mean, the club tend to put one out, but Leander Dendonka on the club site after the match. On what went wrong on Saturday, we've been unlucky with the goals we conceded unlucky again he says we have to finish our actions better they're not really getting anything from the club and this really does build frustration doesn't it so i thought i thought dendonka spoke well actually he said there are no excuses and and he said um it's more about our attitude than our talent now and i I thought he was he was quite good you know no one wants to speak after that but i thought he did front up and, and speak quite well but Nuno has to play his part in communication here as well because he doesn't want to talk about transfers or, or why they haven't brought someone in on loan, why they're not, why they're not um, 
uh, signing a striker at the moment, you know, and of course this this situation may change in the next two weeks, but as it stands, that's what's happening. But he doesn't give much away either. So that there is this vacuum of, of communication and, and fans after three years of continuous success are wanting to know why that's gone wrong and, and nobody's really explaining it at the moment. So the pressure may get too much. You know, if, 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 if God forbid, if they lose at Chorley, but also if they, if they lose to Chelsea and Palace and don't sign anyone before the end of January, the pressure may come too much and Jeff Sheen may have to speak. But um, but they're reluctant to do that at the moment. And like I said, it's something that fans at the moment are going to have to get used to. Yeah, and you said that some of those other clubs, owners and chairmen don't speak, but they do have the likes of Jurgen Klopp and Jose Mourinho, exactly, who they do get a lot yeah. more from, yeah. don't they? They do. And if if you look, as I suggested on YouTube at that Beanie Man Sports um, post-match press conference, I don't want to criticise, but you're looking, you're, you're fuming after that defeat, you're devastated, you want answers. And you see Nuno slumped in his chair with his shoulders down in the press conference, speaking under his breath really softly, saying we need to find solutions. It is frustrating for supporters. Um, Terry... Just, just, just to very quickly yeah. say, he said nothing for three years, but fans haven't cared. They've liked that. Oh, he's playing with the media. We love Nuno. He, he hates the media. That's great. So so they can't have it both ways. Um but equally, maybe it's up for him to kind of to change and open up a bit now because if no one else is going to, then there is going to be this panic. Observation from Terry, highlighting the fact that the Wolves Fuerza Raul banner is over the L and V of Wolves in the Steve Ball stand, which leaves only W O E S visible, which kind of sums that. it up, really. That's, <laughs> that's You're staring what at spot. it, and it literally just says woes <laughs> as Wolves lose at home to Everton and at home to West Brom. Yeah, yeah, shift the banner across, lads. Shift the banner across. And Tim, you mentioned in your tweets on Saturday about how Nuno, uncharacteristically for him, was sitting down, not engaging with his team. Fans have really picked up on it as well. Is that a concern? Is, is that about what's going on with him personally? Or is that not an excuse, the fact that he, he can't see his family in another country at the moment? Well, he takes everything on his shoulders and he's an emotional man, as we know. Um, I mean, I'm no mind reader, but I'm guessing it was unusual. As, as I said earlier, he's normally patrolling that touchline and arguing and shouting, uh, moaning about decisions, encouraging his players but he was sat motionless in a massive must-win game so it was very odd either he'd felt either he probably just felt a sense of helplessness because he spots obviously these defensive issues week after week he's as annoyed as anyone he prides himself on setting up a team that's hard to beat that is that is him as, as a manager in a nutshell his teams are hard to beat he's done it throughout his career and now Wolves are easy to play against He'll be furious at that, and I think he'll feel helpless because they will be working on set-piece uh, defending week after week in training, and they will be working on balls coming into the box. And they, he reiterated post-match, we knew what Albion were going to do. We knew, he said. So that's up to his players to take his instructions on board and stop it, and they didn't. And he was obviously furious, I think, with Cody, and um, obviously angry with Neves, who had his worst game of the season. And I apologise because I wrote an article last week saying how good he's been. It's all my fault. And as you know, Jackie, that happens all the time. So um, <laughs> I think he was he was pro- he was probably too angry for words, really, given uh, the things that he loves from his teams: control and defensive stability have gone. And his message at half time would have been: control possession, control the game, don't give away any stupid mistakes. And that's exactly what his team did. So. Um, it wasn't usual, and I know people are worried about him. And I wrote an article last week saying uh, how 
yeah, how he is carrying everything on his shoulders at the moment and the pandemic's really affected him. You know, his, his son is here with him. We should point that out. His son was at the game on Saturday and he's, as you mentioned in, uh, in previous pods, Jackie, he's over here studying at university. But but normally, yeah, his family his family are at home. I think he's I think he's got a fairly young daughter at home who's, who's still at school. So, you know, people ask him, why doesn't he bring his family over? It's, Did he come over for Christmas? But the, the, yeah. the, you know, there are, unlike, there are, unlike you, he has has actually had family for Christmas. You've been <laughs> sitting at home on your own for the last month, so you know it's, it's not yeah, just I might, Nuno, I might but see yeah, mine this Christmas hopefully. But um, um, God, it's um, so yeah. The reasons as to why he hasn't brought his family over, I mean, they're personal to him, and uh, it sort of feels bad delving into this. But there, I'm sure there are good reasons behind it, and um, it's obviously a, a, affecting him. But at the end of the day, he's a very proud man. And I, I don't think he'd really like this sort of massive sympathy. Oh, is Nuno okay? He'll be like, I'm fine. This is my job. This is what I'm here to do. And I'm angry and ashamed that it's not happening at the moment. So I don't sense any um, I don't sense any less commitment from him in the job. I just think he's dealing with a lot of issues right now. Um, and it's up to him to sort them out as soon as possible. And this is the first pod since uh, a couple of paragraphs in a national newspaper suggesting there was oh, an exclusive don't, don't give any credit that no. he was <laughs> that he was being touted around to other Premier League clubs I know what you think about that but uh, listeners might not know I in don't want to line? discredit anyone else's work but come on there is if Nuno's ever going to leave Wolves the, the manner in which he does it is not going to be George Mendes asking other Premier League clubs Are you, do you want Nuno as your manager and the story suggested he wants to move to an English club who's playing in Europe I mean, tell me which one of those is about to lose their manager. Um, it's just, it's not the way that Nuno does things. He's not going to leave Wolves in the lurch um, for the sake of just wanting to move to an English club that's in Europe. Um, it was utter, utter rubbish, I'm afraid. Back to the Albion game. Matthew Nigel's second half reminded me of England-Iceland. Yes, I was thinking the same. I was at that match in Nice. It did remind me when you have a technically superior side who just caved in on themselves. He says, it was mind-boggling to watch footballers you know can be outstanding, bottle it and seemingly have no idea what to do. In my opinion, he says, this suggests they're absolutely shot of confidence. Answer must be returned to back five and sign a striker. I think Matthew Nigel speaks for probably a lot of people there. And Swiss Old Gold, a little bit of uh, positivity here for you. Let's take a moment to acknowledge how great Fabio Silva played. Almost a man of the match performance, brilliant link-up play, superb movement, solid shielding in possession, took his chance brilliantly, just needs to add some more stamina. More importantly, Nuno coaches well. Uh, we've touched on it, but he was fantastic. An 18-year-old kid who did not shirk at any stage, gave it absolutely everything. Just what you wanted from your centre-forward in a game like that. And he's a kid. I thought he had a great game. I thought he took his goal really nicely and we've seen him get in good positions for weeks now. If he had to finish in touch, this is it. This is this is what this is why Wolves spent 35 million on him. If he'd scored all those chances in the last few weeks, he'd he'd have scored what five or six and everyone would be raving about him. The next big thing. You know, he is getting in these positions to start with. So if he starts putting a few chances away, people will see, soon see why Wolves have paid so much money for him. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him at Victory Park on Friday, uh, 4,000 capacity, um, surely away, especially given how how results have gone and how the, the slump the team are in. He's got to play a strong 11 at Chorley to get a result at Chorley. Because Chorley, we said last week, we know exactly what Big Sam will be doing, watching Wolves' set pieces, and that's how he'll, that's how he'll target them. That's what, that's what bloody Chorley will do. They'll lump it into the box 
and and set pieces and maybe long throws and they'll just watch the panic ensue because Wolves can't defend balls into the box at the moment no matter whether they're playing Man City or Chorley they can't even defend balls that aren't in the box and they still give away penalties God. <laughs> so he's going to have to play a strong team I think he would do anyway I think there's potential for the cup to save the season and you know they've got a home draw in the next round and we know they're a good cup team there is definitely potential in this FA Cup this season to save Wolves' season and I'd like to see him go three at the back and uh, extra defender against Chorley just in case. And I'd like to see Max Kilman in that team ahead of Romain Saïs. He's played in the non-league for a start. He knows what it's about, but I think he's got to be in the team anyway. He was looking very good when he was in earlier in the season. Saïs has lost it defensively for me a bit at the moment. So, Do you not put him in midfield for a bit of steel? Because Wolves have lacked steel of late. Potentially. Midfield's not great at this moment in time either. Um, Otisawi and Saïs... Maybe even Cody, as you've suggested in the past, would add something different in there in terms of uh, defensive stability. So he's got to look at changing things. Number one, the formation. Number two, a strong team at Chorley. Please, and no drama for once. Please, Wolves. Thank you, Tim. I feel better now. I do feel better now. Thanks, We've all talked it all through together. It's been a hideous few days. Oh, my goodness. I went to Chelsea women against Man United women, top of the table match in Kingston yesterday on Sunday. And first person I see in the press box is an Albion fan, Cole Raleigh, who's the uh, Five Live Sports Extra engineer. I was like, of all people I could possibly have bumped into. And his big grin, I thought, just get this next few days out of the way. Albion fans have had a good laugh at Wolves' expense and fair enough. I've not seen too much Completely nastiness. I've enough. seen a lot of banter. Fair play to them. No problem at all. I think Wolves are looking at themselves now but just um, just Nuno and the boys, there is a small match of Albion away later in the season. If you'd like to put it right then, then, then that's just fine. You can sign up to The Athletic for just £3.99 a month for the first six months and you can read all about Tim's analysis. I really would if I were you because he's the man in the know. He talks to people at the club and knows what's going on. You can hear these podcasts without any adverts. If you listen to it via the app, download it. And uh, to sign up, go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolvespod. Finally, Tim, happy anniversary, my love. My podcast husband, we've been together now since January the 20th last year. Happy happy. anniversary. I wish this could be a happier moment for us both. What you got me? What have you got me? I'm still waiting for that birthday present hasn't arrived. I tell you, the, the Royal Mail's a shambles at the moment. Oh, yeah. Should get it by the next birthday. Anyway, happy anniversary, Fruit. And to you. We will be with you in your inbox on your regular podcast platform next Tuesday morning when hopefully all will be well with the world. Where there's life, there's hope. Bye for now. The Athletic.